so glad that you're here this morning. We're going to continue very slowly walking through Psalm 23 because it is so rich. It is so deep. So I want you to turn there in your Bibles this morning, and we are going to continue. Uh, we're going to be in verse 2 today. Week number 3, and we're starting verse 2. So, um, last week we talked about the true meaning of David's proclamation in verse 1, I shall not want. And we used two words to grab hold of the essence of what David meant in that bold statement. Number one, that I shall not want is an expression of confidence, and it's a celebration of contentment. Confidence in the fact that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want because I am confident completely in the ability of my shepherd to meet my needs no matter what circumstances I go through. It's an expression of confidence. And second, it's a celebration of contentment to say, I shall not want because I don't need to want for anything because I know that whatever I have is exactly what my good shepherd has provided for me. With those small four words, David expresses the theme of the entire psalm. And then I'll remind you of another thing that that relationship between confidence and contentment. Confidence is about knowing that the Lord is the best provider. Contentment is about knowing he provides what's best. And we need to understand those two things. And we will see those two themes echoed throughout everything that we study from this point forward. So it means that we are not going to be those sheep that wander along the edge of the fence. Do you remember that from last week? We're not going to be the ones who wander along the edge and are constantly looking for a hole in the fence so that we can get out and wander into a different field to try to find something that's better than what the shepherd has already provided for us. There's no need because he is good and he will never um, give us need to chase after any more than what he gives us. And so we're going to look at verse 2 this morning, and we're going to look at the first half of verse 2 today. So if you'll look in Psalm 23, the beginning of verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, One of the hardest things for parents to try to persuade their preschooler or children to do is what? Take a nap. And isn't that crazy that naps are wasted on preschoolers? When all of us are begging for a nap, um, I will take, like any preschooler that has, don't you wish they were transferable? Like, like you don't want to take your nap? That's fine. I'll take it for you. That would be awesome. Uh, they, will, they don't want to lay down. They don't want to take a nap. And then, so we as parents, we fight with our kids about, you got to take a nap, you got to take a nap. And when they don't want to, what is that compromise? What is that deal we make with them sometimes? Well, you don't have to take a nap. You don't have to go to sleep. I just want you to what? Just lay down. Yeah. Just go. You ain't got to go to sleep. I just want you to lie down for a little while. And what we're really hoping is that if we can get them to sit still for five minutes, they may be so tired that they'll fall asleep on their own. But it's crazy. Teenagers love naps, right? Now, like my house, I'm constantly now having to wake my kids up from naps to get them to do stuff. Uh, it's like, quit sleeping. Like, they love taking naps. 
I love taking naps. I think a nap should be instituted in, in the middle of a work day, just like lunch hour. Yeah, there you go. If I don't get an amen on anything else, that'll, that'll get an amen this morning. When we're talking about sheep, and again, we're, we're, David is writing from his experience and his knowledge of being a shepherd himself. It is very difficult to get sheep to lie down. And as we keep researching sheep and talking about their, their nature and how God created them, um, sheep will only lie down under very specific circumstances. Um, and, and there are four conditions that every shepherd knows he must meet for his sheep before they will actually lie down in a pasture. The first one is freedom from fear. A sheep will not lie down if it is afraid or it anticipates the presence of any danger or threat around it. It simply will not lay down if it's afraid of anything, senses any kind of danger around. The second thing is freedom from tension. If a sheep is experiencing friction or tension from other sheep in the flock, it will not lie down. Um, Just like all creatures in the animal kingdom, sometimes one will try to establish dominance over another, and it will create conflict. Humans do that, right? And so in a herd, if there is one who is trying to gain dominance over others and and causing friction and tension or conflict within the flock, the sheep won't lie down. The third thing is freedom from aggravation. Sheep don't enjoy being aggravated. So if there are bugs, if there are insects, if flies, anything like that are, are, are around them, or there's anything that parasites, pests that are literally bugging them, <laughs> no pun intended, but yes it was, um, they will not rest. They will not lie down. And then the fourth thing is freedom from hunger. A hungry sheep will not lie down. The only thing that can release a sheep into freedom from all four of those things is a good shepherd. These are all things that we struggle with as well as human beings. We struggle with fear. We struggle with tension in relationships. We struggle with aggravation, things that just get on our nerves. And then freedom and then hunger is something that we also struggle with. Not just physical hunger, but spiritual hunger. And that's what David is going to be addressing. But because we are in relationship with Christ, because we're in relationship with the Good Shepherd... He can bring us freedom and release from all of those things, just like a good shepherd can relieve his sheep of all of these things for the purpose of creating an atmosphere where they can lie down and rest. So uh, for all, I've got some, some points to give you to help us kind of wrap our minds around how does Jesus free us from those things. Uh, for you guys who like the old school Baptist alliterated 
four-point, three-point thing, you're going to like this, okay? So if you, if you like taking notes and you like things that all start with the same letter, you're going to love this this morning, okay? All right, so the first one is this. The protection of the shepherd takes away fear. One of the things that a sheep needs to rest is freedom from fear, and it's the protection of the shepherd that takes away fear, and that is the same is true for us. Psalm 138, verse 7, says, If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. This is just one of many, many proclamations of God's protection for us. The fact that the psalmist and the saints and the prophets trusted the protection of the Lord when they were in danger and when they were in the face of their enemies. Now, when we read verses like this, does that mean that Christians will never face danger? Does that mean if we are sheep of the good shepherd that we'll never be in danger? No, that's not what that means. It means that even when we are in the face of danger and even when danger or harm comes upon us and even takes hold of us and overpowers us, ultimately, we're still safe. Ultimately, we're still safe because of the Good Shepherd. Here's the second thing. The peace of the shepherd takes away tension. And remember, this is in relation to the sheep's relationships with each other within the flock. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of spirit Through the bond of what? Peace. That peace doesn't come from us. That peace comes from the shepherd. And it says, how do you keep unity in the body? How do you you, uh, deal with each other in humility and gentleness? Through the bond of peace. The bond is like the glue that holds everything together. It's the peace that comes from the shepherd. We will struggle with one another. Amen? We don't always like each other. Amen? And we will find ourselves in conflict. We will find ourselves in conflict with the people that we love and cherish the most. We will find ourselves in conflict from time to time within the body of Christ. Because we are sheep, right? But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, can help us live in unity and peace when we are obedient to what he says. When we are obedient and staying close to him, there's peace from the tension. The third thing is that the perspective of the shepherd takes away aggravation. The perspective. You say, well, how, how does that work? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, so, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Perspective is everything. It doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter what difficulty that we're going through. Perspective can change everything. Things that are a big deal to the rest of the world and throw things into disorder and chaos doesn't have to shake us. Things that the rest of the world literally freaks out about, we don't have to. Because our perspective should be different. We should see the world in a different way. We should see Christ and the Lord in a different way. We should see people in a different way. And because the perspective Christ gives us, because of it, what matters and what doesn't matter changes. And so sometimes the aggravation in our lives comes from these small things that really don't matter. How often throughout the course of your week do you let something that ultimately from an eternal God perspective really isn't a big deal just get you all fired up and, and out of shape? Like we can, it's, we can become aggravated sometimes so easily by things that eternally just don't matter. And if we have the perspective of Christ as our shepherd, he can help us go through earthly things. He can, he can help us walk through things that normally our flesh would be so aggravated at. And sometimes it's people that aggravate us and we want to just swat them away like flies because they get on our nerves and, and, or things at work or things in, in culture. There's so many things. But because of the perspective that the shepherd gives us, he changes our sight, he changes our view of the world. And so we can walk through those things and understand that it's really not that big of a deal. But then the things that really are a big deal that the world disregards, those things become a bigger deal. We can see how important they are. And so the last one is the pastures of the shepherd takes away our hunger. Just like with a real shepherd, with real sheep, when his sheep are hungry, he finds them green pastures to eat from, to nourish their body. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what that is, right? There's Eric waving his Bible around again, telling us we need to be reading it. Yep. This is your, this is your sustenance. This is your green grass. This is what keeps you from becoming hungry. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. And they will, for they will be what? Filled. That is a promise. Blessed are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do you know what that that implies that if you hunger and thirst for anything other than righteousness, you're not going to be filled. You're just going to keep being hungry. Like Chinese food. <laughs> right? 
Like you can, you, can, you can really be craving some good Chinese food, and I love good Chinese food, but you can eat Chinese food, and then 45 minutes later, you're hungry again, right? Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, and it's a filling that doesn't go away. It's not a, it's not a filling that, that comes, and then, and then a few hours, days, weeks later, it goes away, and, and Jesus has to fill you again. That's not what he's saying there. Everything in the world, everything of the world fills us temporarily, but Christ fills us eternally. He fills us completely. And as long as we try to quench our thirst and our hunger with the stuff of the earth, we'll always be hungry, we will always be restless, we will never be able to lie down because we're hungry. So David, in this, in this psalm in verse 2, he says... He makes me lie down in green pastures. And when we read it that way, your translation may say something different. And there's actually probably a better way to translate that phrase than, than that. Because when we read, he makes me lie down in green pastures, that we almost you know, revert to being a kid. And it sounds like he forces us. He, he, he makes us. He imposes that on us. Like we tell our kids, you've got to lie down. And that's not what it means. Um, another way to understand the language here in the Hebrew is to read this phrase as he causes me to lie down. Or he lets me. Or he allows me to lie down. And there was one scholar who translated, I love the way he translated the phrase, he settles me down in green pastures. He settles me down there. David is saying that the Lord's protection, his peace, his perspective, his pastures are all what allow him to lie down and rest in his life and in his spirit. And again, we, it's not that David is saying that, that the life of a follower of of God, the life of a follower of Christ, will be completely absent of those things. It doesn't mean that we will never experience any of those things because we will always battle fear. We will always have tension to deal with. We will always be aggravated with something, and we will go through seasons where we experience need. But the leadership and care of the Lord overcomes all of those things. If we follow the lead of the shepherd. And, that, and that's part of the promise. That the promise comes with our obedience to the shepherd. The sheep that wanders off to do its own thing. Comes out from under the protection. And the provision of the shepherd. And will get itself in big trouble. But then the good shepherd will come. He has to come and rescue that sheep and bring it back. So, I want us to think some more about these pastures that David talks about. He allows me or lets me or provides for me to lay down in green pastures. Now, when you think of green pastures, you probably think of something like this. Right? Isn't that, isn't that nice? There's some sheep out there. Like, that is, that is gorgeous. 
That is a beautiful green pasture with some pretty fat sheep, I should say. So they're enjoying that pasture. But here's another, that, that looks like something out of the sound of music, right? <laughs> that, that's kind of what I think. But here's a picture, if, if we're reading this in perspective in, in, ge- in, in geographically and, and in historical context, here's a picture of a green pasture that is found in the town of Heshbon in Israel. And there's a herd of sheep going through that. That's a little different. You can see it's very hilly. And even though that's still, that's still pretty green, uh, it's not quite as green and lush as that last picture, is it? This is part of what is called uh, the Transjordan Plateau. And even though there are, there are lots of hills and small mountains in this region of Israel, it is still the overall area is a plateau. And a scene like this is very, very rare in that region of the world. You remember, it's a desert region. And so they don't experience much rainfall. The majority of rainfall that this region that David would have had experience shepherding sheep in probably only gets most of its rainfall for the entire year over the course of three or four months. And then after that, there are months where they would get zero rainfall. So there's a very short period of time, a short period of time in the year, that the shepherd can find regions like this to let his sheep graze for only a few months. So pastures that briefly look like this, for the majority of the year, look more like this. Now, that's quite different, isn't it? When we read, he makes me lie down in green pastures, that is not what we think that's supposed to look like. But this is the pasture of Psalm 23. This is the green pastures David had in his mind as he wrote Psalm 23. And you go, Eric, I think you're lying Uh, That doesn't make sense at all. This is where sheep graze for the majority of the year in this region of the world. And so you say, well, what do do sheep eat? Rocks? (laughs) Because that's what it looks like. I mean, there is no grass. How, How does David say he lies me down in that? That doesn't look like a green pasture to me. Even though there's not an abundance of rainfall in this region, and actually they go, like I said, for months without rain um, with average temperatures above 100 degrees, between 100, 105, 106 degrees on a daily basis with no rainfall for months at a time. There is a certain amount of moisture this present. It's moisture that comes from, from the seas, from the ocean. Also, there's moisture that comes from the condensation, like dew. Everybody knows um, that dew will settle. And in this region of the world, dew would come. 
and, and the condensation will collect on the rocks through the cooler hours of the night. And then that condensation on the rocks will run down into the ground enough to grow small patches of green that look kind of like this. And so the moisture from the ocean, the moisture from, from the dew and the condensation in the atmosphere will gather on those hard rocks and that water will run off those rocks and it will create just enough to grow small patches of green like that in those pastures. So the shepherd, he will find an ungrazed area on a mountain like that, take his entire flock through those rocky hills and they will graze on that. They can find a mouthful. They can go find a mouthful of green, eat that, keep following the shepherd. And as they go across the mountain, oh, they find another one. And they, and they get another mouthful. And then they keep going, following the shepherd. And, he, and he, they get another mouthful. This is what David calls green pastures. You know what he's saying? He's saying that sometimes the green pastures are plentiful. Sometimes they are lush. Sometimes they are full of green with lots of tall grass. And, they, it, and it provides plenty for the sheep to have all that they could possibly want. But most of the time, it's not like that. Sometimes the pastures look brown. And they look rocky. And they look dead. And the same patch of land, the same pasture, will look like both of those pictures. Sometimes the green is very sparse and it's rare. And it takes lots of walking and lots of grazing to be able to find it. But the shepherd always provides in both climates of life so much that the sheep are able to lay down and rest. So here's what I want you to remember. Sometimes the green pastures provide abundance. Sometimes they provide just enough. But the shepherd is the reason we can rest in both. The fact that David says he makes me lie down in green pastures has nothing to do with the grass. It has to do with the shepherd. It says the shepherd always leads us to what we need. Sometimes it is lush and beautiful. And it seems like God has just put us right in the middle of this sound of music, meadow, full of tall green grass and everything is great. But most of the time, it takes some walking. It takes some following. To stay close to the shepherd because the shepherd knows where to find the green. And he's always faithful to lead us to it. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because our life doesn't look like that big, lush, green field most of the time, does it? When we read, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We think, well, my life doesn't always feel like a green pasture. You may be going through a season right now where you feel like it's pretty rocky and it's pretty dirty 
and it's pretty dry and barren. But the shepherd still leads us to the green, even when it's difficult. And we can't see where the next patch of green is until we move and follow the lead of the shepherd. He gives us what we need, sometimes just enough for that moment. And then we have to lift up our heads and see where he's leading us next. And as we follow him, he brings us to another patch. Again, to give us exactly what we need. So even when the field looks brown and barren from a distance, like that first picture, we can still lie down because we're not hungry. Because the shepherd always provides. Not, not this abundance, all-you-can-eat buffet of green grass all the time. But he always gives us what we need. He always takes us so that we're not hungry. David says, I shall not want because the Lord settles me down so I can lie in the green pastures through the lush seasons and through the dry seasons. He is still faithful. So that feeling of being settled in the Lord, again, it comes from the shepherd. It doesn't come from the grass. St. Augustine, one of his most famous quotes, and I'll end with this. says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee.